Thank you. All right. Let's joke around. <laughs> it was unnecessarily awkward. But it won't be on television. <laughs> it will be on television. <laughs> I, uh, I live in Brooklyn, and uh, I was walking around uh, Brighton Beach, which is a very Russian Jewish neighborhood. And I went into a store, and there was a board game they were selling called Let My People Go. <laughs> based on the Jews' exodus from Egypt. And I thought, too soon. <laughs> I did a show in uh, upstate New York, and the people who put on the show after the show were like, hey, uh, you know, after the show, we'd really love to take you out for a nice hot meal. And I was like, why are you pointing out that it's hot? <laughs> I'm not homeless. <laughs> I got a wake-up call, not like, stop doing heroin. <laughs> like a regular wake-up call where, uh, at a hotel where you answer the phone, and normally what happens is you answer the phone, and they're like, wake up, you asked for this. But uh, this hotel, when I answered the phone, they went, it's May 5th, 2011. Why are you telling me the year? <laughs> what do you think I did last night that I don't know what year it is? Unless it's like a coma-only hotel where you wake up and you're like, why is the TV so flat? It's, it's 2011. I was in an elevator, because I have the money. And it was very small. It was really crowded. It was very small. And this guy sarcastically goes, there's probably bigger elevators than this in Russia. Probably. That's not one of the pre-agreed-upon stereotypes of Russia. <laughs> you can't just make up random information and say it sarcastically to replace actual information. You can't be like, oh, I went on a date with this French girl. She was more rude than a wolf cat. <laughs> Animal I made up. I was in... I was in Western Mass, and uh, I saw that uh, Linens and Things was going out of business. I know. And I thought, should have been more specific. <laughs> that is what you get for calling your store things. <laughs> I was in Manchester, England, and uh, I was walking around, and it was pretty late. It was like midnight or one in the morning, and this guy comes up to me, and he's like, excuse me, are you from around here? And I was like, no. And he was like, great. That's not good news. That is not a guy who wants the time or directions. He was excited that I'm lost. And I sort of start walking away, and he gets really mad, and he goes, everybody thinks I want money. And I was like, I don't know what you want. I'm leaving. And then he gets even more mad, and he goes, I just got off the bus. I'm from Czechoslovakia. And I was like, well, I have some very bad news for you, sir. Your country has been dissolved. I don't know when you got on the bus, <laughs> but it must have been the 90s. Your country doesn't exist today. I read, I read an article, I read an article in uh, the New York Times about relationship deal breakers for men and women. And, uh, you know, the, the men were like, and they were all like sort of like, no adultery, no cheating, rephrasing the same thing. And of course, men were like, no fatties. And then 
And then ladies, their 10th deal breaker was uh, no racism. That was their deal breaker. And so it means that the list was, was of things that happened. Because if it was just anything you don't want on a date, then you'd just be like, I don't want to go on a date with someone who's been exposed to so much radiation, they're evil. <laughs> it was things that have happened to people, which means enough women have gone on dates that are like, oh, he was so nice, and we had so much fun, and he was a great listener. And then when he went to kiss me, he went, I don't trust the Jews. <laughs> Who doesn't know to not do that on a first date? <laughs> Save it for the seventh. <laughs> um, I wrote a book, and, uh, and I did a book tour um, where you go and read from your book in stores. You arrange it. You don't just show up. <laughs> it's totally planned. And, uh, and what I found was that in every city, in every bookstore, there was at least one crazy person. And when I was in Seattle, there was a woman who had, he had, she had been banned from the bookstore for trying to scalp tickets to a free Stephen King reading. And they were, they were like, you can never come back. Well, you can come back for Eugene. And so she's there and she's eating, she brought a cup of noodles from home that she's eating very angrily as I'm reading. And there's a point in my book where I go like, I'm Jewish, sorry. And she stops eating and she goes, why did you apologize for being Jewish? And I became a little annoyed, so I went, because it's a terrible thing! <laughs> Which I thought was great, but she was horrified by. But the thing that was amazing about that reading was that there was this little 12-year-old boy in back, and he pointed at me, and he went, why is everybody looking at him and not at me? Oh, because he's funny. Like that. It was very charming, but very weird. Turns out this boy was the son of someone who worked there and that he had Asperger's. So he couldn't judge social situations. He created rules and rituals for himself. Then he pointed at me again and he went, why doesn't he accept me as his God? <laughs> it was amazing. And what that little boy doesn't understand is that I do. I do accept him as my God. I've always found the specificity of religion really confusing. Like if you're Jewish, you have to wear a hat, but only in the middle of your head. But it all becomes clear the second that you realize that God is a 12-year-old boy with Asperger's. No wonder he's like, you can't eat pigs and you can't eat horses. And you're like, I wasn't going to. He's like, good, because you can't. No wonder he's like, ah, oh, I messed up the earth. I should probably flood it and get two of every animal on a boat. That's the only solution I see. <laughs> Religion, it's not a leap of faith. It's high-functioning autism. <laughs> Thank you all very, very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>